Okay, now, uh, this is good. Uh, if you're not a monthly supporter and you want to be, but you're like, Pastor Don, I don't know how much I can give. Listen, you can give $5 a month, okay? Every little bit happens and helps. You can see them out back if you want to figure out how to do that. Uh, just from their perspective, you can also see one of us as leaders, how to do it through the church uh, and those particular things. So we'll make sure that they get funded. But I, if, you, if you haven't been there, you can really appreciate through us and the stories uh, of the effectiveness of, of your reach from here through the Lawrence's into Guatemala. And... Uh, uh, it, it is just an incredible thing that's happening, and lives have been changed. And uh, I'm excited that From Foundation Ministries is touching a part of the world, amen, through the people from our church, amen. And uh, so I encourage you to uh, talk to them today or at some point while they're home. When do you go back home? The, 30, the first. They go back home on New Year's Day. Uh, so uh, that'll be good. So um, <clears throat> just encourage you to do that. Also, um, some years ago, uh, a group of us went to uh, Nicaragua with Students International before there was ever a base in Nicaragua. Um, and because Students International uh, was looking about whether God would call them to reach out into uh, another country in that area. And while Guatemala is a pretty temperate, it's called the land of eternal spring. It's like, you know, 65 in the morning, 75 in the afternoon, 365 days a year, sunshine, it's just beautiful, right? Uh, Nicaragua is hot. Scorching hot. And uh, on our first trip there, uh, I met a unique young couple uh, who was stepping out in faith, pioneering some things, uh, and we just developed a friendship, loved their leadership. They're actually in the house with us today. Jill and Austin Hofsimmer are back there, right? Like, stand up, stand up. Give them a hand, right? You want, you want, you want to share something? Come on. Come up here. Uh, we have been friends ever since that day. Listen, y'all heard me preach a thousand sermons, okay? Um, and and the, this young couple has been a blessing to me just in their faith, their story, their testimony. And uh, come on up here. Uh, and uh, Tim, you were, we were there, right? And I remember, right, uh, just being there and uh, just like in an undiscovered country, right? Like um, That was our first time there. Yeah, all of us, yeah. right? Like right. it never had been there before. Yeah. And right away we felt like a joining of the Lord and just kindred mm -hmm. spirits. And yeah. we knew as soon as we were standing there that yes, this is, this is what needs to happen. And these two were on the team that began to pioneer work uh, through Students International, which is where we take our kids through and our missionaries work out of and those things, and just did a fantastic job. You're back in the States now, though, for a while, um, and living in Indiana, Indianapolis. Yep. Yep, and I don't know if that's of the Lord, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, but just share, just share something. Yeah, I, well, I was a lot, we were a lot younger then. Uh, it was like 11 years ago or it, something. Is it that um, long? I had a lot more hair then. Um, so did I. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I feel like, first of all, I feel like I'm in Latin America right now because this happens in Latin America. Right? Yeah, when, just come, on, when, just come when, up here. When the, yeah. when the visitors come, oh, come on up and share something. Um, the great story of Lowell and Cheryl in Nicaragua. Yeah, yeah. Ever want to hear about that? Yeah. Um, but they asked Cheryl to sing a song on stage. <laughs> yeah. I would, she, I she did been not. There. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, we just feel um, obviously a connection with, with Don and Lisa and a lot of you guys here um, that we've hosted in Nicaragua and in Guatemala. Um, and so um, we were back. It's my dad's birthday this weekend. Hey, happy and, birthday. Um, so came up here uh, this weekend and they said, hey, we want to go to FFM. And I said, yes, let's go. So um, absolutely love you guys and um, just we're encouraged in worship and um, want to say the spirit of the Lord is here. Amen. And that's not the case in every church, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, just want to encourage you guys in that mm -hmm. and, and stay in that. Don't leave that. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, just feel a kindred spirit here very much. Yeah. Yes, absolutely she does. I know, Jill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I, I kind of felt like the Lord was asking me to share a snippet of my testimony. And I'm like, if Don calls us on stage, then I'll share it. So here I am. Um, so You're the just, one making deals with God, so there you go. <laughs> I know, I know. Because um, we've never been here at FFM, although it does feel like home, like Austin was saying, it feels like such a joy to be here and see so many familiar and friendly faces. Um, but this is our first time actually in this house, so thanks for welcoming us. Um, but I did just feel like the Lord was prompting me to share a couple of things um, that he has done for me. Um, I'll probably get emotional. I'm very comfortable with tears. Um, I'm a counselor by... I get lots of tears. Um, but 
specifically that um, I was a victim of sexual abuse as a child, and my father chose to abandon our family through suicide. And then Austin and I struggled to get pregnant for six or seven mm -hmm. years. We I did fertility treatment. I remember praying with you guys about it, yeah? Couldn't get pregnant. Um, I'm pregnant now. Um, and we have two kids. And they <laughs> have children. two and they're pregnant yes. now. <laughs> yes. Um, which is all of the lives of our children are miracles. But specifically what I wanted to say about that is not to glorify the things that the enemy tried to keep us captive in, but to say that we know the God who gives life to the barren womb. Mm -hmm. We know the God who is Father. Because of my fatherless, I know him to be the true and good Father. Mm -hmm. And because of my abuse, I know God to be the one who is protector and healer. So whatever you are going through, wherever the enemy is trying to attack you, please know that the Lord our God is the one who can give life and hope and peace and joy in the darkest of circumstances, and that he is the rescuer. He mm -hmm. is able to heal, and you do not have to stay where you are. Mm -hmm. um, so there is hope and there is freedom in Jesus. I felt like I was supposed to share that. <laughs> Come on. Amen. I love you guys. Love you so much. Welcome to Firm Foundation Ministries. Gosh, what an honor, right? So good to be in the house of the Lord. Listen, I uh, appreciate their heart and their ministry. Listen, when they came back to the States after being full-time missionaries, they were like, well, that doesn't mean we're not in ministry anymore, and they begin to position themselves in a place where they could be used by God. So pray for them, and, and uh, as God continues to use them, they are friends and been friends for a long time, and uh, what joy it brings our heart. And what a better setup for this sermon, joy. Amen. Turn, turn to Luke chapter 2 in our Christmas series. So everybody say, here we go. I like it. All right, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Everybody say shepherds. shepherds. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, remember they rehearsed it with Jesus, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Everybody say joy. That will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those whom he is pleased. So, Father, bless the reading of the word to the receiving of our heart in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. All right. Now, here's what I want to do. I, wanna, I, I, I just want to begin by considering the ghost of Christmas past. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, that's an easy thing. I'm not talking about the mistakes that Ebenezer Scrooge made in his past and in his youth. I, I'm talking about some of the mistakes that you and I have made around the Christmas past. Specifically, the lengths that we have gone to to try and find joy during this time of year. Now, for example, uh, um, you may remember in the 90s, um, this particular toy that came out, Tickle Me Elmo. Yeah. Okay, you, you may remember this toy that came out, Tickle Me Elmo. Now, this toy, what it did is when you, when you touched it, 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 it went into seizures. And yet, parents, in order to bring joy to their children, were spending thousands of dollars on the black market to buy one because you couldn't get them. Because they wanted joy. They wanted joy to buy a Sesame Street character that, if you touched it, had seizures. If, if you had a daughter in the 2000s, you might remember a scramble to buy a doll called Bratz. Now, 
this was, there was a scramble to buy this doll called a Bratz doll. And, and there was such desperation over this character that we overlooked that this plastic doll carried with it a rebellion of sass. And we were so eager to bring joy to our children whose primary, we would be willing to spend money on a toy whose primary message was your parents are idiots. It's true. Now, we could go way back if we wanted to to the 70s. Yeah, uh uh-oh. We were so desperate for joy during Christmas that during the 70s, there was a Christmas gift that people were flocking to buy. Do you you know what this gift was? It was a pet rock. I kid you not, you could go and buy a pet rock with a cardboard box with holes punched in it so it could breathe. In the 70s. Betty, Yes, true. You could buy a pet rock with holes punched in the cardboard box with, with, so this pet rock could breathe. And, and, and the downside is it wasn't very fun to watch, but the, the upside one is, is you never had to flush it down the toilet. <laughs> so what will it be this year? Millions of parents are desperately hoping that this year they'll find the right gift because we're so desperate for joy. Come on. Not a person in this room who isn't desperate for joy. We're looking for that gift that will both light up Christmas morning and, 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 and not end up stuffed in the closet in a couple of weeks. I don't even want to think about all the gifts that we have bought over the years that barely held my family's attention throughout Christmas Day. Much less years to come. But we keep buying because we hope that this time it'll be different. Joy. The reason for the foundation of joy. You see, the first Christmas church was significantly different. Luke continues his story in verse 16. Can I read it to you? It says, They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby. We're talking about the shepherds who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word. People must know. People must know. When they saw Jesus, joy came on their face. And the only thing they could say is, people must know. Luke records it and says, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said. This Christmas was different. This was so much different. See, the problem is the thing of this world we look to for joy has diminishing returns. Anything in this world that we look to for joy always has diminishing returns. Isn't that the law of economics anyway? That anything only has so much value and then once it reaches its potential value, after that moment all it does is decrease in value. Come on. Come on, if you've got a home, you realize that you can only invest so much money before you never get that back out of it. Come on, you, you, you understand that, you know, the, the principle of buying a brand new car, as soon as you drive it off, drive it off a lot, it loses $10,000. Come on, we, we understand the principle of diminishing returns. Let me, let me give it to you a little bit, Reda, because see, anything outside of Jesus that we look to for joy, the more we go back to that thing, the more we think about that thing, the less joy it brings. Somebody say amen. The less joy it brings to us. Even if you had an incredible once-in-a-lifetime experience. I believe it was for my son's 26th birthday. We went skydiving. What? 27. And so I had always wanted to to do it. And and he was like, hey, Dad, I want to do that for my birthday. I said, I'm in. Let's go. So we went up to Holland. And uh, we, we circled. It took 20 minutes. In this little Cessna plane to, to circle up. Donnie was there. Donnie, Donnie and Matt. And uh, we, we got in this plane and we circled up uh, for 20 minutes. 
It took 20 minutes to circle corkscrew up to two miles high. And once they opened the doors, you could look across Lake Michigan and see Chicago. It's incredible. And I have a picture of TC. I should have put it up here. Because he went first. And you flip out of the plane, and as soon as he rotated over, the guy I was trapped to took a picture. And there is TC looking back up at, this, at the plane, screaming like a little schoolgirl. It's one of the best pictures I have of him ever. And that was an awesome day, right? Like, we, we jumped out of this plane, and boy, that experience was incredible, right? But here's the deal. The guy I was strapped to, I asked him, how, how long have you been jumping out of planes? He said, since Vietnam. That's a long time. That's before I was born. I'm like, wait a minute, how old are you? Wait, hold on. Do I, am I sure I want to? Because you old. <laughs> My dad was in Vietnam. Hello, somebody. You're like, wait. But see, his experience. And I was like, how many jumps do you have? And he said, I have. There's no way to count them. I've jumped every day of my life, and it's just like walking to me. He doesn't find a joy in it. He just does it. He, he doesn't jump out of, the, out of the plane and flip upside down and scream like a little, oh! He does, he does, he does. Why? Because of the law of diminishing returns. It is just what he does. The adrenaline doesn't hit him anymore. It's just those things. He just jumps out of the plane. But see, even now, all those years ago, the memory in my own mind doesn't hold the same power as it did that day. In the same way, if we're given an amazing gift, it only brings happiness for so long. Eventually, it just becomes part of stuff. First Christmas gift is different. Somebody say amen. Come on. It's so much different. It's a different gift altogether. The shepherds, they show us that encountering Jesus is a different sort of experience. It had so much impact on their life that the moment that they seen him, it wasn't as if they were excited enough that an angel had come and made this announcement. But when they laid eyes on him, they, people must know. People must know. They didn't, they, didn't say, they didn't say, wow, it sure smells in here. They didn't say, well, a prince, a king should be born in a... Palace. No, they didn't say those things. They just simply said people must know. I, I believe uh, Christmas with the Chosen, it may be airing on Facebook Live here soon. Right? Is that, someone show me that. Pay attention to you. The whole movie. Tonight. Tonight. So if you didn't go to the theater to see it, you can see it tonight. And here's what I love about this moment. Three decades later, after the shepherds would say, people must know. People must know. You want to just mess with people on Facebook who maybe didn't get to hear this sermon? Just put, people must know. Dot, dot, dot. They're going to ask, what? What do I need to know? For unto you is born. Oh, come on. A king. For unto you is born a king. Listen, he's here. And, and Jesus confirms this because three decades after the shepherds had an encounter with Jesus in a, in a stable, Jesus gave us another insight of hope and joy for our lives. And he said this in John 15. He said, I, have, I told you this is my joy that may be in you, that your joy might be complete. Come on, church. So how, how many of us would literally say this morning, very honestly, my joy isn't complete? There's about 250, maybe a little more passages in the scripture that deal with joy. And if you read them, you'll find the Bible doesn't just encourage joy, it commands it. it commands it. In fact, it commands joy twice as much as it commands repentance. We aren't just given permission to laugh, church. 
We aren't, we, aren't just, we aren't just given permission to have some fun times. God wants our life to be full, constantly of overflowing, filled joy. But is that how we would describe our life? Especially during this season. Come on, if you've ever tried to go Christmas shopping. It's not joy. It's not joy. It's no joy. I mean, it's amazing what Christmas, it can, make, it can turn God-loving people into murderous people. My wife and I had set yesterday aside to, it was our kind of go, all right, we're going to go Christmas shopping, and, and the wind was so bad. I was just like, no, this is an Amazon shopping Christmas day. I sat at the kitchen table, and the shepherd's joy was a result church, of what God had done. Not a, not, not a result of their circumstance. I mean, come on, watching sheep at night probably has its benefits. I, it, I, don't, I don't know. I, it could have its merits. It, it probably could. But life-changing joy for them began when they first heard of Jesus. And that joy grew when they met Jesus. See, joy begins for us the same way it began for the shepherds. It begins with meeting Jesus. Come on, church, and, and that's the thing. At Christmas, that's our greatest encounter that we need to have. Is we all need to have a meeting with Jesus. Because without that foundation, we can have no hope of lasting joy. And I just need you to understand, very few things last forever, nothing. But an encounter with Jesus remains in our hearts and grows for all eternity. I would say this to people from my own life experience, meeting Jesus never stops impacting, it never stops shaping, it never stops transforming our lives. It never stops giving us the opportunity for joy. And if we're gonna, if we're gonna walk with joy with God, we gotta pay attention to what the Bible has to say. Especially if it's repeating itself numerous times. Because see, the, the, our foundation for joy comes as a result of what Jesus did for us. It has little to do with what happens to us every day. But let's be honest. How many of us can say that what happens to us every day tends to rob us of joy? Come on. I mean, you, you're, just, you're just going along and all of a sudden. I mean, it is like something hits you with a sledgehammer. And it just crushes you. And it, it is just like, and it doesn't matter. It's just a circumstance. It's a situation. And in the, in the grand scheme of eternity, it, it probably is not that big a deal. But it doesn't, that doesn't stop the way it makes you feel at this moment. And then it's in those moments where we realize that joy has more with how we posture our hearts than it has to do with how we respond to situations. And, and, and as a people of God, especially during Christmas, we have to learn to embrace the joy that we've been given. Yeah. To embrace it. I cannot tell you, part of my testimony, you know it, it it's, it's, it's how much time that I spent dealing with my anger. Yeah. Fasting and praying and, and begging God to take it away from me. And I'm going to be honest with you, when I feel it coming back into my life, it scares me. Because I know it's my flesh that's ruling my attitude. I know it's my flesh that wants to control everything. I know it's, 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 it's the old man rising up wanting to bend something to his will. And, and I know how I used to handle those things. And, and again, like last week, it's that argument in your mind. That you have over and over and over again until you win it. And you didn't. Oh, you did was rob yourself of joy. Because see, joy in the Bible isn't connected with circumstances. It's connected with decision. Habakkuk, he, he has a prayer. I mean, if you understand the history around the book of Habakkuk, you'll understand that the history of Israel at that time was horrible. I mean, it was, it was bad. There was wickedness. There was idolatry. There, there, was, there was just incredible 
painful, disappointing things that were happening, right? The Assyrians were threatening to overwhelm Israel. And in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17, he he begins a prayer. And I want you to pay attention. I'm going to read it to you uh, about how he faces this circumstance, this wickedness, this overruling attitude. The enemy is there. and, And everything looks like it's about to be destroyed. Everything looks like it's about to be done. And listen to his prayer. He says, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls yet will I rejoice in the Lord I will be joyful in my God my Savior sometimes all you got is hallelujah so, listen, I, I want you to understand. I am not trying to feed you a bunch of psychology stuff. I understand that joy in our life, most of the time, if not all the time, is an exercise of faith. I have no reason to be joyful. I have no way to feel joyful. Everything has fallen apart around me, but come on, my soul. Don't cut. Come on, my soul. I mean, it's just like David. Why so downcast? Put your hope in God. Like the shepherds, we always have a reason to rejoice. You want me to tell you why? Because Christ has come. Come on, Christ has come. He has come, church. And joy flows out of rejoicing in the fact that He has come along with nothing else. And it can't be taken away from you and I. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. According to Breno, it's a cheat code. I'm trying, I'm trying to promote your song, bud. I'm just trying. Yeah, yeah. It was on in the gym the other day. You weren't even there. We were lifting and all of a sudden Breno is. It's a cheat code. Romans 8, 28. And we know. Do you? And we know that all things... God works for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. You see, the first thing you got to understand is believe and know that you've been called according to the purpose of God. Once you get that settled in your spirit, then you understand and you can know that everything that's going on is going to work for good. It's going to come out. I don't know. I don't have to preconceive it, but somehow, some way, God is involved in this issue. Somehow, some way, God is going to manifest Himself through this. Somehow, some way, because I am called according to the purpose of God, God is going to intervene and introduce himself to a lost and dying world. I don't know how. Because all things don't mean some things. All things don't mean most things. All things means all things. And no matter what you're going through, let me tell you something, church. You can be certain of two things that's happening. Either God sent it or God's going to use it. Come on, I put that up there so you can remember it. You can tweet it out. No matter what's happening, you can be sure of two things. Either God sent it or God is going to use it. Now, I'm like you, I wish God would clue me in. Which is it? I think God sends things that aren't quite what we asked for. I sure do. I do. I also think there are tragedies and pain that God has nothing to do with. There's been a lot of things when people have come up to me and said, y'all keep Pastor Don, you know, it's just the will of the Lord. I, no, it's not. Sorry. That's not the will of God. That's brokenness manifested in a lost and dying world. And that tells me that that's why I need God. You're not going to blame God for brokenness. What we can do is look to God to fix this mess. Hello, somebody. That's just none of the Lord. Hello, there is a devil loose. Come on, somebody. And there is sin destroying this world. And that's why Jesus came. Come on, church. But if we love him, we can be sure that he's using somehow, some way, what's happening. That's why we can have joy. You remember what the big sin for Israel were? Actually, there are two of them. One of them was idolatry. That's obvious. You know what the other one was? Complaining. Somebody say, ouch. (laughs) Their complaining made God angry. And some of us need to be reminded that complaining and grumbling are sin. 
And I do it. And I just have to say, forgive me, Lord. We're called to share our burdens. Yes, we are. And let's be honest with one another in our pain. I said, let's be honest, and this is why I'm hurting. This is what's going on in my heart. And, and this, I, hope, I hope that all of us have some godly enough friends that can lift us up in those moments and times when we're struggling. But grumbling and complaining about your boss, it ain't going to fix your boss. Are you with me? Grumbling and complaining, y'all better hear me right now because I know this is, a, this is of the Lord. It is real. Listen, grumbling and complaining about your kids, it ain't going to fix them. It ain't going to fix them. Grumbling, complaining about your relatives, it ain't going to fix them. Them people been that way. Hello, somebody. I'm just going to bless everybody right now in the room. Grumbling and complaining about your president ain't going to fix him. That's not the command. The command is to pray for him. Now, I realize some of us want to pray for him around the head and neck area, but the call was not to be Pentecostal with him, okay? The call was to pray for him. Because there's some evil kings in the Bible that God changed their heart because God's people prayed for him. Don't you see? Politics makes us enemies of those that God has called us to win. Oh, that was not in my notes. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Complaining about your pastor ain't going to fix him. Trust me, I know. It just ain't going to work. He needs Jesus as much as you do. I think that complaining is incredibly dishonoring and divisive. Because all you're doing in complaining is looking for somebody who will agree with your misery. And I believe that just as rejoicing restores our joy, complaining steals it. We all know people who like to complain a lot. Hello, somebody. You get that person at work that every day when they walk in, they got this sign on their forehead, I'm your test. If, if you don't, you might want to rub it off before you go in in the morning. But when you know that person who loves to complain a lot, would you, would you classify them as joyful people? It doesn't help. It hurts. Stop it. Complaining is actually a declaration of war against your own joy. Can I say that again? Complaining is actually a declaration of war against your own joy. Can I say to us as children of God who understand in this Advent season, don't settle for anything less. Don't settle for anything less. Help help me out, church. Don't settle for anything less. There is an undeniable theme connected to our joy found in the Scripture. And most clearly it's seen in Psalms 51. There's a powerful passage written by David after his affair with Bathsheba. After he had arranged for her husband to be killed. In verse 3 and 4, he says this. My sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. But the high part of this psalm is verse 12. Restore unto me the joy. Come on, somebody, of my salvation. Restore, and he didn't say restore to me my salvation. Y'all, y'all better hear me. He said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Come on, there's some saved people who are going to, who, who, when Jesus comes back, or if, if he tarries and, and, and you die physically on this earth, I know you love Jesus, and, and, and you're going to bust heaven gates wide open. I know that. But I also know that there's some people who are going to do that very thing, that while they live on this earth, they are miserable people. They, they, can't, they can't stand but be, to be, be miserable. They're not happy unless they are miserable. Hello, somebody. There's some people that are literally happy not being happy. Restoring to me the joy of my salvation. To be joyful in the fact that I'm saved. To be joyful in the fact that I'm not lost. To be joyful in the fact that I've made my home in heaven. That I can live with Jesus forever and ever. To be joyful in the fact that Jesus sought me out. To be joyful in the fact that if I was the only person on earth. He would have still come and been born. And lived and died and resurrected again. And to be joyful after the fact that I didn't seek a relationship with God. He sent his son because he was seeking a relationship with me joy in my heart and in my life 
When David gets his life back in alignment with God's truth and God's word, man, something powerful happened. The truth is, sin brings us temporary pleasure. Sin might bring us momentary relief, but it rarely brings us happiness. In the end, it steals your heart, steals your joy, robs you. David wrote these words in Psalms, one, or Psalms 19, verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Do you want your eyes to light up? Come on, somebody. Do you want your eyes to light up? Do you, do you, do you want to come alive? Do you, do you want to have an unshakable joy? You got to do things God's way. I wrote down a quote from C.S. Lewis, and I just want to read it to you uh, in, a, in a writing that's titled, The Weight of Glory. It's an, anyway, and here's a quote from it. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like ignorant children who want to go make mud pies in the slum because we cannot imagine what's being offered in paradise. We are far too easily pleased. We are far too easily... Don't settle, church. Don't settle, church. I said, don't settle, church. This is a connection to Psalms 51, verse 12. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. I I think we too easily forget what... It is the angel announced to the shepherds. I, I, I think we too easily forget what it means that the Savior was born to them and to us. The truth of eternal life alone. Let me, I want to slow down here. The truth of eternal life alone. If we really understood what it meant. If we really embraced what it meant for us personally. The truth of eternal life is, is, is more than enough to give us cause to rejoice in every single situation. No matter what we go through, we can factually declare, yes, but one day I'll be in heaven with Jesus. Come on, church. It might sound a little silly to us on this side of heaven. But heaven is our source and hope of joy. And salvation includes heaven, but it's so much more than heaven. Come on, Western world Christianity sells salvation short. We sell it to things like material, oh, streets of gold and mansions. Let me tell you something. I promise you that when we get to heaven and we see Jesus face to face, you're not going to be thinking about streets of gold or no mansion. Nothing compares to the beauty and the glory of Him. Nothing compares to the majesty of Jesus. And when we get there, we won't be able to help ourselves because the truth of eternal life has everything to do with being with Jesus. I mean, you are God's children, God's family, always on his mind, always moving. To believe in Jesus is to have his spirit in us, his insight, his help, his comfort, his strength in every circumstance. And I say, Lord, restore to us the joy of our salvation. I say, I say, make our joy complete as it is found in you, Jesus, alone. I, 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 say, I say, what hope we have in you, Jesus. Help us see the great joy that the shepherds witnessed that night. And so much joy in our spirit to be able to proclaim with them. People must know. They didn't say, oh great, something else to do. They said, this is all we have to do. People must know. I want you to just embrace this thought for a moment as I get ready to close. 
But joy is stolen. Joy is stolen when we forget what Jesus' arrival on earth means to our lives. It is stolen. And so we search for it in Tickle Me Elmo. We search for it in... Material things that are locked in a boat in a harbor in California. I mean, I, I, I literally, I, when, I hear, when I hear people on TV say Christmas is going to be ruined because of a supply chain, I just want to slap them. In Jesus' name. <laughs> There's not a person in here that doesn't like gifts. Come on. The truth of the matter is, when we have Jesus, we have all we need. We have all we need. So we search for it in the mud, like C.S. Lewis said. And you would think that Christians who are created in the image of God would be the people of greatest joy. Yet we find ourselves, even on a Sunday morning, finding it difficult to raise our hands finding it difficult to overcome our attitudes, finding it difficult to move past pain that are all real. Life can be hard. But we know the secret that the shepherds had. Come on. The Savior has come. And in Him we are saved. The Savior has come, and in Him we win. People must know. And the amazing thing is, let me bless you. Here's here's a Merry Christmas gift to you. No matter what happens, it can't be taken away from you. Let me tell you something. God is not playing white elephant with Jesus. He's not playing the white elephant game with Jesus. He didn't come to give him to you and then let the devil take him away. No, he gave him to you for all eternity with no thought of repentance. Here's my son and those to whom I love, I give to him and give him freely. And I don't give just a part of him. I give all of who he is. And God says to the world, I am willing to bankrupt heaven because I love you. Come on, church. Joy. And if the Son has set you free, hello, somebody. Don't let nobody tell you you're not. I think we ought to live like we're saved. Imagine that. Christians living like they're saved. Imagine Christians living like they know no matter what happens to them here on earth, I'm going to heaven. Imagine Christians who, who, who can just imagine no matter what circumstance is going on, God is using it for my good and His glory. I mean, just imagine the joy that will just go up in our minds and go, okay, Lord, I'm, God, I'm very, I'm very interested in what you're going to do with this. Let's live like we're loved. Let's live like we're free. Every moment is a chance to sing and live in the praise of an amazing king. Come on, church. Every moment is a chance to rejoice. Every moment is an opportunity to be filled with overflow and with joy. I want to encourage us to let our strength rise. I want to encourage us to let our hope rise. I want to encourage us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Joy, people must know. It's the message of the shepherds. People must know. With a smile on their face. Will you stand with me? I don't know if you've been following the chosen any, but I know there are a lot of liberties. Hello, somebody. There's a, a huge liberty at the end of this movie if you watch it tonight. I won't ruin it for you, but it's between Mary, Jesus' mother, and Mary Magdalene. 
There's no proof in the scripture that that conversation happened or that gift was given to Mary Magdalene. But it's so good. I love, I love the personality that they show in Jesus. I love the personality they show in Peter. He's exactly who I imagined he would be. He is. I love him. I love every bit of Peter. Matthew's a little different, but I get it. Let your strength arise. Let joy flow in your heart. Receive what the shepherds proclaimed, which was the message they were given. Joy. 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 Will you pray with me? And Father, we thank you for the gift that is like no other. The gift that's the greatest that's ever been given. We thank you, Father, for sending your Son to save us from our sins. And Lord, we're honest today when we say we forget what a wonderful, amazing gift our salvation really is. And I pray for us as a church, as a ministry, fill us with your hope and joy. A joy so complete. A joy that overwhelms us, that like the shepherds, we are compelled to share it with others. People must know, people must know, people must know. Father, we are thankful for heaven. But until that day, like the shepherds, we choose to glorify and praise you. And so, Lord, we we pray, will you continue to rejoice? Help us to rejoice in you and all that you've done. And it's with thanksgiving and gratitude, Lord, that we praise you. And so it's in Jesus' name that we say, amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
have talked a lot here about Pastor Jamie from Riverside, and we've been in prayer for him. He's coming home today. Come on. So we want to continue to cover them as he continues to grow in strength. And um, if you want to send him a message on Facebook, you're allowed to do that. You can say Roll Tide, even if you're not a Bama fan. Amen. That'll bless his soul. Father, today, thank you for your joy. Fill us, Lord. Fill us, God, with such joy that our only reaction is people must know. We give you praise and glory and honor for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, turn around and tell someone, people must know.